Welcome to season four of Handpicked. This is about people grilling me to get my business experience, to help them grow their And what's great is we get to learn, discover and meet incredible business owners who are really up to some very interesting things. Anyway, enjoy. Maybe you've got some questions for the next season. This is a great episode where Joanne, who's an energetic founder, is pretty keen to find out those silver bullets when it comes to marketing. Maybe for a bit of context first, let's hear about your business. Uh, thanks so much, Naomi. It's great to be here. Um, so at dinner parties and like just over the years, my partner and I have found that time and time again, people loved our wine choices. You know, they even call us or message us when they were preparing for a dinner party or a date or when they were staring at a bottle shop wall or, you know, looking at a wine menu and not knowing what to choose. So... Uh, we have a passion for wine and find small winemakers and new regions, um, yeah, Australian bridles and things that people haven't heard of before. So we feel that people don't feel confident enough to buy something different at their local bottle shop. And in case, you know, they get it wrong, like no one wants to take a bottle at home that they're not going to enjoy. So Davino has a membership where we curate a selection of wine delivered to your home or workplace. And we take the risk out of choosing wine. We select the wine that is personalized for your wine palette. There's no upfront costs. So if you don't enjoy a bottle, we'll replace it with one that you'll love. You have the option of a Divino wine fridge in your home or workplace. So you have your own wine cellar stocked for every occasion. Uh, there's also a little QR code that comes on every bottle, which links to a one minute video about the wine, which includes what it pairs with, what temperature to drink it at, as well as fun talking points that you can impress your mates or dates with. Um, but we're not for everyone. Like Divino is for people who already enjoy wine to be empowered to explore their wine palette further. Um, we're the partner that helps you enjoy wine even more to level up your wine game. That sounds very well prepared and a great plug for your business. <laughs> I love it. What is your purpose statement? If you were to just re be really succinct, what is your purpose what, you know, what drives you every single day? Yeah, that's an excellent question. And also the small business, difficult to nail down. We, I feel like I've reiterated this a thousand times already and I'm still, still working on it. But honestly, it is to open up people's minds to the world of wine. And that's not in a demeaning sort of way. Like people do select beautiful wine and, you know, but they very much stick with what they know. Mm -hmm. And so let me just, little... yeah. So let's go back. I'm looking for, you know, I'm looking for a tweet, not a blog. <laughs> so I can feel your passion and being able to really nail that this is the job we do. This is uh, um, the impact we're having. This is how we're making the world a better place. Um, and in what I've heard also, it's it's not just the discovery for your consumers. It's actually also finding audiences for what might be very boutique wines um, who can't get listed, who can't get into big distribution, but also don't want to be in big distribution because they haven't got the quantities or the um, anyway. So I, I can see that there's real value there, but I'm going to get you to keep working on that that real value proposition, the how you make a difference, how you're making the world a better place. Anyway, let's move into your first question. Oh, excellent. Thank you. No, that's really good at feedback. Um, so the first question I've prepared for you is what are recommended marketing channels to use that are cost effective and that convert for small business? Right. You're looking for uh, the silver bullet. 
the one answer, <laughs> the absolutely. And there isn't one answer. And also it changes over time. So how we found customers 22 years ago is not where we find customers now. So um, it is forever changing. The thing is I'm far more interested in is understanding which channels your most valuable customers come through. And that takes data. It takes insight. And I would call it intel. It is the intel gathering that gives you both potentially the um, forward look as well as the rear vision. Too often in business, we're looking at what happened last month versus what is the future predictors that can help you work out. Now, in your business, of course, with weather, you will know what a better vintages and so forth and better regions because it's really, really well documented. So let's think about what channels do you currently get people from? Who are the most valuable customers? And what are you learning from those customers? And it's qualitative as well as quantitative. So you need your listening posts. You need to know, um, how am I listening to customers? And sometimes, especially in a subscription business, it might be quite transactional. Once people have come to you, they're enjoying the program. And then, you know, apart from that moment of shipping and them using the QR code and learning about the wine, you're actually not interacting. So I think it will be very interesting um, to host or include people in either advisory groups, but make sure you're getting intel and review it all the time because trends change so quickly. So in saying that, I also think of partnerships. You know, for me, and it might sound like I say this over and over again for people who've listened to the podcast, but it's because it works. That is, it delivers authority to your brand. When American Express put us in their catalogue for the very first time, all of a sudden we were a brand because we were next to their brand. So having that brand authority through partnership is incredibly valuable. So I cannot tell you what is the best place to find customers. All I can say is what to look at. That is what channels do your most profitable, your best customers come from. And ultimately, if we look at the um, marketing journey, you're looking to create a team of people who are your advocates. You know, people who love you so much, but when that you know somebody sees either one of your fridges or that they're there and go, actually, I learned this from X and make it really easy for people to refer them, you know. And I'm not just talking about, you know, referral bonuses and so forth. Our job is to get our story so consistent and so easy that other people will share it on our behalf. That's when you know you're really getting there. Oh, I love that. That's a very good summary. Also, what about your biggest challenges that you face when you started your business and how did you overcome them? Back in 1902, when I was, like it just feels like such a long time ago <laughs> when I started uh, Red Balloon and, 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 and so I kind of wonder what is even still relevant um, because I would never do most of the things that I did back then, um, maybe some of them against the law now anyway. Uh, and I say that because email marketing and permission marketing and, and content and so forth, it's very different now than it was. We used to just be able to email anybody or call anybody. You're not allowed to do that now. It is against the law. So, no, I wouldn't do what I did then. Um, but I do think that the things that haven't changed is brand reputation, how people talk about you. And 
The number one kind of really selling tool when we look at an online environment is references and re- is references and start ratings. The reviews are so important. And so when I look at the sheer quantity of re- reviews, but also the relevance of reviews. So that is one thing that really hasn't changed. And to, and one thing that we got wrong was we only had our own internal reviews, which was run by, uh, initially it was run by our own system, and then you use an external supplier um, who curates and so forth so that they, um, so that they you know, appear quickly because it's quite labour intensive. But one thing our competitor did, which I didn't know until we bought them, that's a joke. Nobody laughed. Oh, well. Um, so <laughs> and, until we acquired Adrenaline, what I didn't know is that they were sent asking customers for reviews or references, but not always on the same platform. So we were always just asking it for our own platform. Well, they would randomly send, could you put it on Google, you know, or would you do it here? So that what they were doing is building their overall base of reviews, and that was really clever. So in other words, you don't want to be reviewed on only one platform. You want to be reviewed on as many platforms as possible because you don't know really where your best customers are going to come from. But I'd work really, really hard on those reviews, those referrals, and also the stories that customers say. It is the number one thing that converts people is reading somebody else's story. Yeah, exactly. And that really helps with your reputation. That's that's very helpful. Thank you. What about time? Like how much time did it take you until your business gained some momentum? And like how much did you have to fund it to sort of get off the ground? Yeah. So it depends on what your business model is. And subscription can be very powerful because, you know, you've got a recurring income. I wish I had have done that way back in the day, a subscription of all the gifts you can eat in a, in a year, so to speak. But, um, it, you know, it just didn't really work like that. So I um, feel very fortunate because if you think about how money moves through a business, then that is what gives you your working capital. And so uh, having a customer-funded business uh, a growth strategy really, really works. So um, often in B2B businesses, which are not yours, but people are having to buy the product uh, from their supplier and they might not get paid for 90 days or something afterwards. It just doesn't work because that working capital, that money that they cannot use. So the payment terms are really, really important with clients. So I know you don't ship unless you've got a subscription, so that makes sense. So you've got the money in the bank. The point is that you need to have enough of those to be able to create the step change that you need in your business. And um, debt, of course, is much cheaper than anything else um, and think about, well, what else have we got to offer? Are we a media yet? I don't know how big your company is or how many subscribers you have, but, you know, could you uh, with other businesses or auxiliaries say, look, I'm happy to put your brochure inside our box um, if you put our call to action inside your delivery? And I actually did that really successfully Um, for about three or four years with roses only. And you would have thought we were competitors. Um, But actually, sometimes you need flowers and sometimes you need experiences. So if you think you're actually speaking to the same gift giver who has a different application at a different time, and we did it with iSubscribe and a perfume business, and we just all put these things in, it was so cost effective in terms of how we grew the business. I love that. I love that, like, not just thinking your competitors are competitors, thinking there's out of the box of how you can work together. 
Exactly. And there was a little value add on it. I think there was a promo code or something like that. And it was really, really valuable. What about tools in terms of measuring business viability? Like, you know, we've been testing it, our customers have been enjoying it, but, you know, what other sort of measurements would you recommend for us to be able to to get some data behind us to measure our business model viability? So gross margin is the number one thing that you should be looking at and maybe gross margin per employee. And if you're not um, paying yourselves, I don't know how big your team is, but, you know, you have to impute a value on your time because it's the opportunity cost of you not working where else you could work or whatever else you did before. So, so actually, if you're not paying yourselves, then you're not giving the right metrics into your business. So at any point, you need to be able to afford to replace yourself. And, um, and until you get to that point, it's a job. It's not a business. So um, gross margin is everything, looking at every single line item and how you can save uh, money or how to get it more effective and negotiate, negotiate, negotiate everything, um, I think is really, really important. So in terms of viability and looking at the metrics, it's the cost of acquisition of a customer versus the lifetime value. And if you don't know the lifetime value, then you kind of need to work out what a baseline of success looks like. Do they stay for three months? Do they stay for six months? Do they stay literally for a lifetime? So look at the average length and by channel. Um, the cost of acquisition, I'm, I'm alarmed at how much performance marketing costs for small business. I'm very alarmed by one week it works and then next week it doesn't. Um, as they change algorithms. And, you know, we didn't go into into business to be experts in performance marketing and too many business owners are spending too much time trying to acquire customers through those channels and it's really, really expensive. So the cost of acquisition, lifetime value, what we call owned media. So how many people that you have access to that you don't have to pay um, to talk to them. So that might be your email database. It might be your membership base. There's a number of different metrics around that, but I'd look at what we call owned media. Every business, I mean, when Facebook a few years ago decided to take off um, the news channels or they wouldn't pay or whatever, and um, when advertisers walked away, you know, we realized how vulnerable. And at that point, when you've got big players that say, well, you know, we're not going to play anymore. Well, it would be pretty awful, but we have to own our own media. I lament sometimes we don't have the yellow pages anymore. At least you knew back in those days you paid your money and you could see your ad so you know that people were seeing it, whereas now we've got no idea. And that's why you've got to look at what you own. And that becomes a real asset to your business. If I look at the value, what is the value in your asset? It is, it is your subscription base and your cost to acquire. Actually, on because we're talking about subscription and we are a subscription-based business, do you have any specific subscription-based tips or tricks or insights or any sort of light you can shed to, to sort of make sure we're going in the right direction and, and, and that it's going to work for us? So, so it's all about how do you keep them on your platform? You don't want to, you know, the churn rate. We call it the churn rate. We just don't want people to be dropping out the bottom once you've won them. Um, you want them to stay forever. And back in the day, years and years ago, I worked for an airline, which is no longer around, and I worked in their frequency product um, and their business uh, product. And every time we lost a subscription, I had a, I had a customer uh, 
contact centre, call them and find out why. And sometimes they'd move jobs or they'd lost a job or something like that. But we probably won about 10% back just because they knew we cared. And that level of, um, hey, I noticed that you haven't renewed. We'd really like the feedback. You're valuable to us and important and you're valuable to our suppliers because it's only through um, our subscribers that these beautiful wineries get access to people like you. And then and to have that conversation, and I would absolutely recommend, I used to either sit on the calls or do a bunch of them, um, and then to make a process around that, you can outsource that, and make sure, but make sure you're listening. So as people drop off, find out why. The go- there's gold in them, their hills, um, but you've got to do the work and listen. Yeah, just picking up the phone. Sometimes it's that simple as <laughs> I know. Real people talking to real people and, and just say, you know, thank you so much for your business. We've loved serving you. Just curious to know why you're not continuing so that we can get better at what we do. It's how how amazing. I remember back in the day, um, you know, we people do Red Balloon Experience, they go off an activity and we'd send them a how was it for you? And sometimes they had no idea what they were saying. So I'd pick up the phone and go, I just don't understand what you mean. It was pink, it was blue, it was gone. And this one woman wrote, um, I was I, I was really upset about the dry cleaning bill. And I go, oh, geez, that's not good. Anyway, so I picked up and I said, I just don't understand. What do you mean about the dry cleaning bill? And she goes, well, I was wearing a fabulous white suit. And when I went on the off-road rally driving, I got really dusty. And I just <laughs> I just said, well, thank you for telling us. And then we were able to update our um, content to say, you may get hot and dusty on this experience. Like we just didn't think that that was a detail that we should write for people. So, um, so it was only in, you know, literally talking to people. The other thing is you can surprise and delight them. And that's how you win the hearts and minds of customers oh my goodness, this person called me. I thought I was just filling in an online survey. Yeah, that's that's so nice. I agree with that. And also what about like investing in your business? Like how do you decide to keep on investing and solely own your business or chase external investment? What routes to go down? What are your suggestions? You strike me as an independent spirit. <laughs> and, A little bit, yeah. <laughs> and Joe, and I say that because your business is more to you than a job. And you really love the work that you're doing. So, you know, for you to take an investor means there's, you're working for someone else again. It's just in a different guise. So, but how much is enough before you um, stop putting your own savings into a business? It's, it's a really fine line. Um, I remember thinking, am I ever going to, like somebody said, like way back in the early days, they said, it was Gemma actually, she said, Names, you really need to start dressing like a CEO. You honestly look like a mum because I had holes everywhere in my jeans and blah, 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 blah. And so I guess at some point you've also got to invest in yourself. The opportunity cost, if the opportunity cost becomes too great, then it's really not worth it because it's not a business and you kind of just have to bite the bullet. Um, But remember, you don't have to do everything as well. So uh, keep your business model as lean as possible. Pay yourselves, you have to. Um, But when it comes to capital, if you're propping it up because of working capital, it's not yet right. But if you're investing in an asset, if you're investing in an asset that you'll be able to get a return from, that's where you want to spend your money. I love that. That's a very good summary. 
Um, yeah, that was sort of all the questions I had for you today. That's been absolutely insightful and definitely some advice that I'm going to implement into my business. Joanne, I love your business model. I'm going to be taking a little close look at it because I want to I want to learn about new wines. And you're quite right. We always go back to the old favourites, one after the other. So thank you so much for coming on Handpicked, another great Aussie innovation story. Thank you so much, Naomi. It's been wonderful. Cheers. Wow, thanks for listening. Surely there's someone you know who could learn from this too. Please share. Remember to subscribe and we look forward to having you in the next episode of Handpicked.